Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. We are in a series called Disciples. And what we're looking at is what does it mean to be a disciple? Jesus had disciples. He commissioned the church to go and make disciples. So as a church, part of our mission, our desire is to make disciples. But what is a disciple? What does a disciple look like? And so um, for us, we look at four practices, and that's what we're doing in this series. There's four practices that we think make up a disciple. It's worship, stewardship, fellowship, and discipleship, right? So when we talk about worship, uh, Pastor Jude talked about this last week. We said that worship is the people of God adoring God. Uh, stewardship, which is what we're going to talk about today, is the people of God participating in the work of God. Uh, fellowship is the people of God living as the family of God. And discipleship is the people of God practicing the ways of God. But today we're going to talk about stewardship. We're going to talk about being a steward. It's the people of God participating in the work of God. Now, while stewardship is so important because stewardship speaks to the meantime of life, like what are we doing now, right? I got saved, I believed, I got baptized, so now what? Like what am I supposed to do, right? It, it speaks to like, it answers this question, does it really matter to God what I do right now? And it answers yes. Stewardship believes that, hey, what I do with what God has given me right now matters to him. I think why it matters to God is because God is working right now. God is not a passive God. He's not up in heaven hanging around just chilling. He actually is working. I mean, if you look at some of the verses in scripture that speak to what God does, Romans 8, 28, for God works all things together for my good, right? He's working. It speaks to God, says, I will build my church. So God uses words to describe his actions on earth, and they're not passive, but they're working words. The Holy Spirit is here on earth, sent to us by God to work. The Holy Spirit is moving. He's working. He's opening up eyes of people's understanding. He's softening hearts. He's revealing Jesus to people like God is working, right? And so stewardship recognizes that if God is working, he actually invites you and me to participate in that as well. That this life isn't me doing everything and God does nothing, but it's also not God does everything and I'm not doing anything. It's recognizing, you know, God is doing something significant and real in me and through me, and he has commissioned me to be a part of it. So we're stewarding things that God has given us. And I think it's so important as a church that we fight against the, the, the tendency to not do much and just part- to spectate what God is doing and actually lean into participating in what God is doing. Because I don't know about you, but uh, my observation is nothing good ever comes from a large group of people who do nothing for long periods of time. (laughs) Like I learned that early on as a youth pastor. All right, I was a youth pastor for five years in my old church. And as you would craft summer camps and and, uh, and fall retreats, no, we didn't do retreats, we did advances. Because we don't retreat in the kingdom of God, we advance, you know, and (laughs) whatever. And uh, it's a word, who cares? Call it what you want. Um, I learned that you wanted to give your young people free time, but you didn't want to give them too much free time. Because if young people had too much free time, they get bored. And when they get bored, they get creative. And when they get creative, they get destructive, right? 
Next thing you know, too much free time. I'm calling the mom who's homeschool son who has never had sugar in his whole life. And I've got to explain to her how after shotgunning three Red Bulls, he let some kids shave off one eyebrow. Like, <laughs> you, you, they don't train you how to have a conversation like that with a mom where you go, so do you want me to get rid of the other one or leave it? We ended up waxing it off on video. So you don't spoil moments like that. You know what I mean? I would have never survived youth pastor in today's culture. Anything that got put up on social media, I've been, I've been canceled. It had been done. But <laughs> long periods of time of people doing nothing doesn't produce anything good, right? That's why as a disciple, it's so important that we embrace this practice of stewardship. Because if we don't believe that what we do right now with what God gives us matters to him, then we will disengage from what God is doing in and through us. And then we begin to engage into practices and behaviors that either don't matter or become destructive. So a church that is globally decided to disengage from what God is doing will become a group of people that really just fight amongst each other, right? Because we're bored. What are we doing here? And so we start rating the service. We become the sommeliers of sermons. You know what I mean? That was a little too robust for me. You know, there was too much preaching. I wish it were more mellow. You know, the aftertaste of the altar was just a little too much. You know, I'm sorry if you're a wine connoisseur. That's fine. You would get that joke if not. But it's true, right? We, we get busy like rating messages and sermons. We decide we're going to compare our church to other churches and wish that we were more like them. And it's not wrong or different. It's that we're bored. We're not participating in what God wants us to do. And so after a while, we just start coming up with stuff. And so stewardship embraces this idea, no, God, you've called us to do something really cool. You are working and you want us to be a part of it, right? So we want to look in scripture. I'm going to look at two different passages. One, I'm going to look in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And don't turn there because I want you to turn to Matthew 25. But I'm going to read verse Peter 4.10 because it's going to speak to this word steward and we're going to define what does that even mean. And then in Matthew chapter 25, we're going to look at a parable. It's a story that Jesus tells that kind of fleshes out this idea of being a steward. So here we go. Let's go first to 1 Peter 4.10. It'll be up on the screen. Again, go to Matthew 25. But this is what it says. Peter says this. He says, as each one has received a gift to minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. When you look at the word steward in the original language, which is Greek, it speaks, this is the definition, it is the manager of a house or the manager of a household, that it would be someone who was an owner and they would give, they would commission someone as a steward to manage that which is their own. So it'd be like, hey, this is my house, this is my household, this is my business, you're to steward it, you're to manage it, you're to guard it, you're to protect it, you're to get it better, you're to keep it moving forward. That's what a steward is. So Peter here, he begins to speak to this idea that God has given you a gift, he's given me a gift, and part of our responsibility is to steward that to protect it, to guard it, to foster it, to grow it, to multiply it. And so stewardship is a big part in scripture. And now what we want to look at is in Matthew chapter 25 and beginning in verse 14, Jesus is going to tell a story, helping us better understand what it looks like to be a steward. And I think more than anything else, helping us understand and grasp the importance, how important it is to God that we steward what he's given us. So here we go, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. says, again, then the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. 
He gave five bags of silver to one. Some of you might, it might say talents in your translation. Two bags of silver to another and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then went on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more right away. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver invested it into crypto. And as a result, I'm just kidding. Totally joke. I just want to see if you're still with me. You're not, so. That's the passion translation, I guess. That's where we're at. That's where it says in the passion. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, the master returned from his trip. Like, he comes back. He goes away, but he comes back. And called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I've earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it into the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops where I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken from them. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah, that's pretty serious. <laughs> I think stewardship's a big deal to God. I don't know. Like, I read that, and it's like, okay, yeah, message received, Jesus. Kind of a big deal. So what I want to do here is I want to just spend some time in Matthew 25, and I'm going to look through a couple different thoughts as we go through this again. And here's what we're going to see about stewardship, because that's the idea. We want to grow in our stewardship. There are certain perspectives that you need to have to be a steward, and we're going to look at those perspectives. There is a, um, there's a type of steward you need to be, like, we're, you'll realize that we're all stewards, but there's a type of steward that we want. There are words that we want attached to our stewardship. And then what we're going to see is answer this question, what's the end game? Like, what's the point? Why even steward what God has given us? And so here's the first perspective that we have to have is simply this. It's pretty simple. Uh, God is the owner. I am not. I'm the steward. Like, everything that I have is not mine. Ultimately, it's God's. He has given it to me. The beginning of the verse, verse 14, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He did not give it to them for them to keep. He entrusted his money to them. The first step of understanding, the first perspective we've got to have as a steward is understanding like everything that's in my life is not mine, it's God's. He entrusted it to me. Everything. And in case you're wondering, but like, is that really what Jesus meant? I mean, it's a story. So isn't it like kind of metaphorical? I mean, that's not really true. I mean, it, can we really pull from that? Well, Matthew, Psalms chapter 50, verse 12, this is, this is God speaking. He says this. He says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you. For all the world is mine and everything in it. That's pretty clear. God's like, I don't need anything from you. If I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I got my own food. 
In fact, all the food that you have is my food. I own everything in it. And I think this is important to understand that everything that I have is not mine. But God actually trusts me with it, though. So my talent, my ability, your talent, your ability is not just by happenstance or just randomly or isn't because of just the DNA or the genetic makeup of your parents. Actually, God knitted you in your mother's womb that way. He gave you the talents and abilities that you have. My spouse, my wife, she is not mine. She ultimately is God's. Marriage is a gift from God. It is not mine, it's God's. And he entrusted it to me to steward it well, to grow it, to maintain it, to protect it, to get it better. My children, your children, are ultimately, they're not mine. They're God's. He gave them to me, though. He entrusted them to me to what? To steward them. The hopes, the dreams that you have, the things that you were leaving for aren't just, they didn't just happen because you saw this documentary or you had this experience. No, those things might have awakened, but it was because of what God put on the inside of you. He gave you these things. He's the owner. I'm not. I'm the steward. My money, it's not my money, it's God's money. That's why when I look at the, when we talk about tithing, for me, tithing, it's not an understanding that only God owns 10% of what I have. It's that all of my money is God's. He tells me to bring 10%, but I don't just ask him about the 10. I ask him about all of it. That's stewardship mentality. I don't own it all. God does. A couple weeks ago, I was in the car with my son Ford, and uh, we were driving to get dinner, and we were getting dinner because one of the grandparents had sent some money over and said, hey, I want you to buy dinner for the kids. And so I was like, sick, let's go. So me and my son Ford, we're in the car. I'm like, bro, where do you want to go get dinner? It's on, you know, the grandparents. And it's either Chick-fil-A habit or, you know, in and out It's pretty simple. And so he's like, let's go here. I'm like, dude, free dinner, man. I'm like, isn't that awesome? It's a free dinner tonight. Someone else paid for it. And he's like, yeah, I'm so excited. And so we're driving. And then like a minute later, he's like, he's like, you know what, dad? I just had this thought. He's like, Actually, all my dinners are free. I, I don't pay for anything. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, my son, but my father, which is in heaven. Yeah, you owe nothing. Everything you have, I give to you. But it's a profound understanding that he came to that. Like, dude, you don't own anything. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. I bought it for you, right? But that's what we're talking about. Holy Spirit, could you give me that understanding? You know, the Bible actually says you, to enter the kingdom of God, you have to have a childlike faith. And so you approach the kingdom like a child, and it's like, hey, no, actually, God, you're right. I, everything I have, it, it, you gave it to me. Everything you have, in, you've entrusted it to me. My talent, my ability, my job. Mike, you mean to tell me my crappy job God gave me? Yeah, he did. I think that's the, we have to start there, but then we have to understand this. If everything that we have is God's, he's the owner and he gives it to us. That means it's valuable to God. And if it's valuable to God, then it needs to be valuable to me. Because whatever value I see something at is will dictate how I treat it, how I steward it. If I see something is valuable, I will steward it. I will protect it. I will guard it. I will, I will um, mature it. I will grow it. But if it's not valuable, I won't, right? Like, I will not steward uh, a 98 Honda Civic the way I will steward a 1970 mid-condition, you know, Stingray Corvette, right? The difference based on value. And so there is a tension to make sure that I do not devalue that which God values. So I don't devalue who I am, the gifts that I have. I don't devalue my marriage. I don't devalue what I, the season that I'm in right now. But it's actually valuable to God, so it means it's valuable to me. 
And one of the quickest ways I'm learning that I devalue something is when I compare it to something else. We all do it, right? We compare what we have to somebody else's, our talent ability to somebody else's, our, our life to somebody else's, and all of a sudden our life doesn't seem that great anymore. I mean, we do it. And you, I bet if you, re, you were reading that passage, you're like, dude, this poor guy with the one talent, man. What about the dude with the two and the five and this joker gets one? That's messed up. You know what I mean? Like what happened there? But if you actually look into how much a talent or silver is, if you look, it's, there's different, I've heard different things. They said one talent would be a year's worth of salary. One I read, it was like over $1.4 million. One said if he stewarded and invested one talent wisely, he'd never have to work another day in his life. Like one talent is incredible. It's good. It was valuable to God. If it wasn't valuable to the owner, he wouldn't give it to someone to take care of. He'd have just thrown it away or he'd have left it in a closet. No, it was valuable. And so one talent is incredible unless I look over to the person who's got two. So part of stewardship is not looking to the right or the left of somebody else, but looking at what God has put in my hands right now. Saying this is valuable to God because I have it. So I'm going to steward it. I'm going to manage it. I'm going to protect it. I'm going to grow it. I'm going to multiply it because it's valuable to God. So yeah, that means your crappy job is valuable to God. It's valuable to you. I know sometimes there are seasons where it's hard to see the value in it. I've had bad jobs before. I remember uh, when my wife and I first moved to California, we just figured this out, it was like 11 years ago. And we moved, and honestly, we moved. It was not an act of faith, it was an act of stewardship, but it was an act of stewardship that required faith. I think as a young, someone who's young and is following Jesus, you've got to understand that God's calling you to be a steward. And stewardship requires faith. I think sometimes we think it's all about faith moves, but sometimes we get, put it, label it as faith, but it's actually poor stewardship. Good stewardship will require faith. My wife and I live with this assumption and this belief, and I believe this is true for you, but it's not, we're not special, that God actually has a call for our lives. I believe that. I don't fully understand all of what it is and what it will look like, but I do know God has a call in my life. And part of my responsibility is to steward seasons of my life so that I continually am discovering, learning, growing, and maturing into what God wants me so I can do what God's called me to do. So we were at a season in our life where we felt like what we needed to do to steward what God had put us is we needed to be part of a great church with great leadership where we could just grow. I wasn't going for a job. I wasn't looking for a job. I'd been a youth pastor for five years. I have a business degree, but this is what we're at. And we felt like, what are we going to do? And so we sovereignly connected with Pastor Jude and Becky moved out there here 11 years ago to be a part of a great church. No job, no position, just church. Because we felt like we, this is what was going to help us steward what God had put on the inside of us. So we moved out here not even having a job yet. Like had some interviews, some, you know, waiting on some resumes to respond to. But hey, God was good. I got here on a Saturday and God got me a job on a Monday. And you know what he gave me? Do you know the gift that he gave me for this incredible stewardship? that he gave me? You know what talent he gave me? He gave me a third key position at the Camarillo outlets making $12 an hour. God, you are so faithful. Talk about one talent. <laughs> but hey, it's a job's a job. So we had to do what you got to do. So you work, right? And I remember working that job. And at one point I was in the stock room. I had this moment. I remember it had been a couple months into it, maybe even six, working this stock room. And I'm cleaning it out because it is a mess and no one else will do it. So I knew enough. I developed enough understanding that like, hey, a good leader just does things on initiative and you make things better no matter where you are. So I'm, I'm trying to make this thing work. I'm trying to get better. But I really had a low moment here where I was, I was starting to devalue where I was at. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, 
what am I doing here? I'm, I'm, I'm folding denim, you know? Like, the manager is binge-watching something in Netflix. The assistant is out getting high every 10 minutes with someone on break. And here I am, third key, making $12 an hour, folding denim. Like, the job before I had, I actually had a full-time job with a 401k and health benefits. Now I have 50% off of discounted clothes. (laughs) Stewardship. Blessing. And I, I was struggling. Real moment, right? You have them. It's sometimes hard to see the value in what you, where you're at right now. I get it. With the job you have, the, the relationships you have. You want to be married, but you're single. You want to have this job, but you don't. You want to get into this school, but all you got is free VC. I get it, you know. And remember, God spoke to me in the stock room. It wasn't audible. I wish God would speak audibly. That would be so cool, but it's never happened to me. But it was quotable. It was something that popped up in my spirit, and I knew I was definitely not thinking this thought. He said, Michael, I'm more concerned with who you're becoming right now than what you're doing. At the end of the debate, no matter where you are, what you are stewarding is who you're becoming. And who you're becoming is very, very valuable to God. And sometimes you need the bad jobs, the the, the dormant seasons, to have a moment to actually continue to invest and to grow and to mature who you are as a person. It's character building that you need. It's integrity that has to be established. It's work ethics that have to be done. It's actually faith. You know, faith doesn't come when the prayer is answered. Faith comes that over standing your ground over a long period of time where nothing is happening, and then it happens. That's actually how faith grows. You get that, right? Faith does not happen when it just, it drops. Faith happens that I've been believing and praying and expecting something for a long time. I've been standing, I've been doing what I know to do, trusting God, and then it happens, and I know, look at my faith, look how it grew. At the end of the day, who you're becoming is more important than what you're doing right now. So you steward you in this season. You might have a great season right now. You might be in a bad one. You may love your job. You may hate your job. You may love your season of life. You may hate your season of life. But you know what? It matters to God who you're becoming. I'm a steward. God owns everything. He has entrusted me with things. And it's valuable to him, so it's valuable to me. So I have to be a steward. But here's the thing we're learning about in this passage is we're all stewards. Stewardship is not a choice. If you made a decision to believe in Jesus and follow him, you are a steward. I'm a steward. The question is, what kind of steward do I want to be? And there's two words that we see in this story that I want to attach to my stewardship. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Those are the words I want to attach to my stewardship. Like, that's how I want my stewardship described. Good and faithful. I want to be a good steward. A good steward is stewarding that which is important to God. That's what a good steward is. A good steward understands and recognizes that as you begin to follow Jesus and you begin to spend time in your word and you submit your desires to God's desires, he will begin to show and highlight the things that are very, very important to him. Because there are certain things that are very, very important to God that the world and culture says are not important. And there are things that culture says that are very, very important that God says is not important to me. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. This is what God's speaking. He says this. He says, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love 
and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And then I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. God says there's a lot of things that you can be really, really good at stewarding. But there's something that's very, very important to me that you should steward. One is that you would know me. First and foremost, the first thing I am called to steward is my personal relationship with Jesus. It is a gift paid for by the life of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus paid the price for something very, very precious and that I might have a relationship with God. And the very first thing I steward is my relationship with God. How I spend time with him, how I protect it and guard it. That makes me stay away from the things that are unholy and run towards the God who is unholy. That makes me understand that, hey, I need to, to in order to become comfortable with God, I have to spend time with him to, to know him. And God says that in knowing me, you will begin to understand what is very, very important to me. And what is very important to me will become important to you. And those are the things you will steward. See, the devil can't stop you from stewarding what God has put on the inside of you or what God's put in your hands. But what he will try to do is he will try to get you busy stewarding things that don't matter. And then I'm distracted. So he gets me to steward the offense, the hurt, and the pain that's in my life. Ooh, am I stewarding it so well. Oh, my, the time and energy I've put in to foster and protect that hurt and pain. All the conversations I have in my brain that I just wish that person would say that one thing and boom, I'm hitting them. I'm hitting them with a scripture, a quote from Gandhi, and then I'm walking away. Right? Like, we steward things that, like, seem so important. They encompass us, and that's not important to God, right? Love, forgiveness, believing the best. Right? He gets me to steward attaining things in this world so that I can project and see seen as a certain type of person. So I'm busy spending all this time away from my family and my home, getting my, my health is suffering to attain certain things. God says, this is what's more important to me. A good steward understands that I want to steward what, God, what is important to God, not what's important to me. Man, I want to be a good steward. I don't want just to be a good steward. I want to be a faithful steward. A faithful steward is someone who then stewards the way God instructs them to steward. The life of a disciple is a mixture of subjective moments and objective obedience. And that like you have moments as you're following Jesus where you are going to like feel God's presence, right? You're in service, you're in moments and you can sense God is doing something. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you. He's ministering to you and you feel it. God is, the Holy Spirit's setting you free. He's healing something on the inside or you're in your own personal time and the Holy Spirit comes and causes something to come alive in you. There are moments like that when you follow Jesus. They're very subjective. It's just like, man, God just met me right where I was at and he changed my life. But then there's the side of understanding that as I begin to read my word, there are things and instructions and commands that God has given me. And it's not about a feeling or emotion. It's objectively being obedient to it. Like God's not saying, hey, when you're feeling it and you sense my presence, then please just think about doing this thing. No, like the life of a disciple, good stewardship understands it doesn't matter how I feel or what I look about it. God's the owner. He's instructed me and this word says to do my finances like this. So I'm going to handle them like this. The word of God says to treat your, my spouse like this. And even if they don't deserve it, even if I'm not feeling it, my job isn't to unfully understand. My job is to be obedient. It's both and. You got to have both in the life of a disciple. But stewardship understands that I have to be faithful with what God has. If you read, I encourage you, read the book of Acts. It really begins to show you the early church and how people navigated the Holy Spirit. 
And you begin to see how the Holy Spirit moved in people and, and, this, and how he led them. And what you will see is a group of people led by the Holy Spirit who were being obedient to what he told them to do. And many times they didn't fully understand why. They had questions. But what they had built in their life was this muscle and the muscle was obedience. A muscle, I believe, is, an, is a muscle. Obedience is a muscle you have to build. I grew up, uh, my life, I'm, uh, uh, I was never blessed with the genetics to where, like, you, I just had muscles, you know. That just wasn't me. I wasn't that guy. I wish I was that guy. I'm not that guy. I'm that guy growing up that I had to run. I had to work out to grow any kind of muscle. You know what I mean? Not my wife's brothers. They, they were those guys that, like, they ate, like, airheads all the time. And it was like, my God, look at you. I got fatter watching you eat that right now. <laughs> I pray my boys have that, that level of denunzio DNA in them, like, God, man, they never know the path I've had to walk in that way. <laughs> I've had to learn, though, that in order to do that, even now at my age, it's like even more so 40, it's like, oh, my God, do I have to go to the gym, you know? It's just like I was, we were in bed with our kids the other day, and my shirt was off, and crew put his ear, my youngest put his ear to my belly. He was like, oh, Daddy, you got a big belly. It's like, so <laughs> Now, my daughter Kennedy, she was trying to help the situation, one of our twins. She said, no, no, but he's not pregnant. God just made him that way. <laughs> I look pregnant? <laughs> I look over at my wife and she's like, <laughs> you know that look like, I don't want to say anything, but she's right. What's the last time you went to 24 hour? You know, we pay for it, you know, use it. I get it. Like for me, and maybe like in order for me to grow up, I have to work it out. If I don't, it stays dormant. And actually gets weak. Uh, obedience is that way. Yes, the Holy Spirit's on the inside of me. And yes, the Holy Spirit changes desires. And yes, the Holy Spirit produces fruit. But I actually have to develop this rhythm and muscle that when the Holy Spirit says something, I do it. Because I feel sometimes this is what happens. I think sometimes in church, we become experts at conviction and failures at action. I got no problem going to a church service and feeling convicted. Like, yes, God, you're right. Like, how many of us, like, from a, in the marriage series, you felt this conviction of the Holy Spirit, and it's right, and it's good. It's the subjective moment. And then there is the objective, so what are you going to do about it now? That we have to build in our stewardship. That we have to build in our discipleship. Like, okay, God, I'm not just going to now sense and feel you. I'm actually going to be obedient to what you've called me to do, because I don't want to just be a, a steward. I want to be a good and faithful steward. So you develop the muscle. It's faithfulness. I think sometimes we're just waiting for God to give us the big asks, you know? It's like, Mike, I promise you when God appears to me wrapped in the Ugandan flag bidding me to Africa, I will go. <laughs> and so we wait for the big asks. And I don't think they come until you steward what God has given you already. I mean, in the story, in the parable, God gave, the, the master gave more to the one who was faithful with what they already had. He actually tells them, do you, do you read this? He says, actually, he says, because you've been faithful to this, I will give you more responsibility. So that is available. Could I say that there was more that God has called you to do? There is more responsibility that he has destined for your life. There is so much more that's on the inside of you. And what God is waiting for is for you and I to be good, faithful stewards, though, of what he's given us right now. And then he comes and goes, you were faithful with it. It's not just about being faith-filled, it's about being faithful, right? 
Man, I feel like Stephen Furtick right there. I don't know why that just happened. Without the muscles, you know. Yeah, that's a guy who goes to the gym. I tell you that right now. I want to be faithful. That will require faith. Be faithful, good and faithful servant. I want to be one of those people when God looks down and when he's from at heaven, he looks down and he goes, I can trust Mike and Gabby. Do you want to be one of those people? Like, God, you know what? If I tell them to do something, even though they don't fully understand it, even though they don't get it, I mean, I know Gabby will be all in right away. Michael, it'll make his head go tilt, but eventually he'll get there. <laughs> I know I can trust them to do what God told them to do. That's who we want to be. We are stewards of what God has given us. What does God put in your hands right now? Be good at it. Be faithful at it. Why? What's, what's the end game? What's the point of all this? Why, why steward it at all? Why not just wait and see and just kind of live my life? Matthew 25, verse 19, here it is again. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me the five bags of silver to invest. I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more responsibilities to celebrate together. It's understanding that someday I will be held accountable for what God has given me. And he'll want to know, what did you do with what I gave you? And at the end, I want him to be able to hear, I want to be able to hear well done. Jesus is telling this story this way to his disciples, I think, because he doesn't want them to put too much emphasis on the results of their stewardship in the here and the now. And actually considered a longer game play here of what will be someday. Because I think I'm this person, I so tie the results of my stewardship to how it's going to affect me here in my life right now. And I put very low emphasis on what it will mean when I stand before Jesus someday. Not that that is bad and you shouldn't, I'm telling you, should expect good stewardship to present good results in your life. You should. Like if you steward your marriage, you will have a good marriage here on earth. I promise. We see that. I mean, the, the one, the two and the five guys, they, they experience success. They experience multiplication in their life, right? So I can, ex- I can expect God to do good things in my finances, good things in my family, good things in my marriage. But I don't want to put so much emphasis just on that. Because there are some things that will come as the result of my stewardship and they won't come in the here and now, they will come when Jesus comes back. And what I want to be able to hear then is, well done. Because if I think everything has to happen in the here and now, there will be some things that will and some things that won't. And if there are certain things that won't, then I will feel like, well, what's the point of my stewardship? And I will abandon it. Understanding that I will give, a, I will give a, an account for what I'm doing when it's all done keeps me faithful in the meantime. I want to be able to hear well done. I, want, I know God wants to be able to tell you well done. Yeah, I know he abandoned you and your kids, but well done. You stewarded them well. I know you never had the nine-figure income you wanted to have, but man, you stewarded well what I gave you. Well done, good and faithful servant. I know you didn't have the family that some of the other people had, but my God, you made good decisions with your life and you stewarded it well. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
And yeah, you had some success on this life, but you can't even imagine what I got for you now. I think we just have to challenge the mindset that it all has to happen here and understand the weight of eternity. I'm not there, but I'm, and I'm, I'm fighting with it. Stewardship, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. It's understanding that God is the owner. I'm the steward. He owns it all, and everything he's given me, he, it's, it, he's entrusted it to me. And because he's given it to me, it's valuable to him. Therefore, it's valuable to me. And so I want to be good, and I want to be faithful with it. I want to discover and continue to grow in my knowing of who God is and what is important to him. And I want to be faithful and obedient to the ways he tells me to. I want to grow the muscle of obedience in my life. And I want to live more and more with an eternal perspective that expects success the here and now, but also expects that one day the master will return. And I want to be able to stand in front of him and say, hey, listen, this is what you gave me. Do you know what he even gave you? I think part of discovering things and why it's cool to be a part of a local church is you, you begin, especially if you're newer to the things of God, and you don't really know, okay, what exactly did God give me? And it, it's good to get around people and they, they see God, sense people in your life and they begin to see what's on the inside of you and, he, and they speak to those things. And there's this, so I think environment's really big in discovering who God, what God gave you. But you see what God has given you and you steward it. And you'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And yeah, you'll have success in this life. I think you should. You're part of a church. We're not masochists. We don't believe in just suffering just to suffer. We believe there is suffering as a part of your journey with Jesus. Sometimes that happens. But we don't believe that that's all it is. We believe that there's success in what God has put in my hands. But it's so much more than that. I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.